All right, all right. Good morning, everybody. So great to see the family of God hanging out, loving on each other. Um, it's good to see you all. If you don't know me, my name is Marshall. As Joe said, I, uh, my current titles are missions director, ADS director. Um, love our prayer and prophetic team and um, the opportunity to get to help with that as well. I've been on staff for... Uh, I don't know, I think five years. Yeah, five years doing college ministry and kind of changing the roles over this summer, this spring. But it's just really excited to uh, really excited to get to preach and to get to be here with you guys. Um, it's feeling really, really breezy today. It's windy in here, if, you, if you're not catching it. And it's not, I'm not talking about the AC. I think the Holy Spirit's here. And I want to I peel back the curtain a little bit for you. Something that I was just observing during our service, um, you know, actually in chapter three, uh, Ephesians, that's where we're going to be in today's chapter three, but it says that we have full access to God. And this morning, something I'm noticing, I want to encourage you in, is just that the Lord is here. And when we show up on a Sunday morning for church, we have to, we have to fight kind of that spectator mentality that we're, we're showing up to a service that we as people have planned and that we're putting on and that we're doing church based on what we've decided we're going to do. But every time we gather as God's people, God has something planned for us. Actually, it's, this is his service. This is his church. He's got his own agenda, and it's, it's becoming clear to me, and I want to, I want to clue you all in. So this morning, even during worship, that song, Broken Vessels, Amazing Grace, is, is based on a scripture that's in my sermon. It's not Ephesians 3. It's just a random scripture that I feel like the Lord really had on my heart as I was preparing. That's not something I talked about with the Thatchers as they were planning their set on that specific part. And then the, uh, the picture, the prophetic picture that, uh, that, that Brian got in our pre-service prayer also was of jars of clay, which is in that 2 Corinthians 4 passage, right? This treasures in jar of clay. And that this message is actually about God overflowing in us, right? And so once again, didn't really talk about that, but he got a prophetic picture that we prayed into, Joe shared after worship. And then as Kara was up here, she's talking about the power of prayer. And that even as a church planner, as a missionary, the key in her ministry is divine intervention. And we're accessing that in the power of prayer. And all that is part of really what was on my heart. It's going to be in my sermon. So I feel like God's already preaching to us. He doesn't really need me to come up here and preach the message. It's already been preached. But I just want to encourage you with that because I, I just feel very encouraged. It gives me a lot of confidence in the Lord that he's here, that God is really, he comes close and he has something for us. He's really good, right? And in Paul's prayer, he's asking for God to fill us with this fullness. And I see God's doing that already, right? That when we're coming here, you know, you're not here just to hear from me or any other preacher. You, you, you don't want my words. My words aren't that great. We want the word of God and we want God himself to speak and he's already been doing that. And so I just want to encourage you with that, that that's like your everyday life, that we want to live that way. And it's something that has, it takes effort, but we want to grow in that awareness of the Holy Spirit moving in our everyday midst um, and have our almost like radars attuned to what is God doing? I remember my son, kind of in between age one and two, he just, for some reason, like a plane flying in the sky, he was like, Loved that. It was so cool for him. He, he, anytime, even inside our house, he would hear a plane. He would be like, Dada, a plane. Or if we'd be going on a walk, I would take him on a walk in strollers quite frequently outside. Um, and and so, half the time I would have earphones in. I'm listening to music. And so I wouldn't hear it. But I would notice him every time there was a plane, he would hear it. And he'd look and we'd stop and we'd try to find where it is in the sky. And he'd want to see it. 
because he heard it first. And it was like a picture in that season that God was kind of speaking to me through my son of like, that's how we want to be for God's presence. We want to have sensitive ears and eyes looking to catch what is God doing. He's always on the move. He's always working. He's always doing something. And so anyways, I just want to encourage you with that this morning. You know, you may not catch some of those little things and they're subtle, but those little subtle parts of overlap, of convergence of, of what's happening this morning, it's just further testimony to God who's on the move and he's in our midst and he's, he is here with us. So anyways, that just has me fired up. Uh, and I just, I just wanted to give that to you guys, but we're going to be continuing our series, um, in Ephesians three. That's, we, we kind of based our series out of Jesus's prayer in John 17. Jesus prays, and we studied the book of John last year, and that was heavy inspiration from the Lord as we were praying going into this year. And in Jesus' prayer, you see there's kind of three parts to his prayer. In John 17, at the end, where he prays for us. So he prays for those who would believe in the gospel through his disciples. And so that's praying for anybody that's come after his disciples, any believer in the church today, he prays for us. And he prays that we would be one with him just as he's one with the Father, that we'd have the Father's love in us because of our union with Jesus, the Holy Spirit in us, bringing us back into relationship with God. So he prays that we'd be made one with God. He prays that we as the church, as the people of God, would be made one with each other, that we would have communion amongst ourselves, and that out of that, the world would see who Jesus is. That out of our union with God and our communion with the saints, we would be like these living witnesses to, G to Jesus so that the lost world would encounter him through us. Um, not, not just as we go out and share the gospel, but in our fullness of union with God and with each other, there is something so attractive in that, that the world is drawn to it. And so today in Ephesians chapter three, um, I think we're really going to get to unpack how those three parts of our, our theme really work together. We've been hitting that in Ephesians already this year, but I think we're really going to get to focus in on that point three and that how does that union with God in communion with the saints, how does that really lend towards other people coming to see Jesus and to encounter him and to know him? Um, and if there's a title or, a, you know, kind of a summary of this message, it's that we would be filled with the fullness of God and that there'd be an overflow in our lives from God filling us with himself. And that's what Paul prays in chapter three, and that we would be so rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus that there would actually be power in us, from Jesus in us, that we couldn't help but give him away. We couldn't help but share Jesus with other people. So that's where we're going. If you want to open up to Ephesians chapter 3, um, I encourage you to get out a physical Bible today, or if it's on your phone, just have something you can follow along, look at. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, these Bibles are in the trays under the seats, so you can grab one of those. And if you don't own a Bible at all, you can actually take this home and keep it. This could be a gift to you if you don't have a Bible um, but if you're pulling out one of these black Bibles here, it's going to be page 948. So Ephesians chapter 3, if you just want to, let's just pray just to begin. Um, like I said, we, we have full access to God, so we want to hear him speak today. Um, and I, I want him to speak uh, more than myself. So let's just, let's just pray and just approach God again with, with boldness, with confidence. Lord, we just, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that you've given him so that we could be brought back into a relationship with you. And I just thank you, God, that you're already speaking. I thank you, God, for our time of worship and prayer and testimony, Lord, that you're already, you've already come so close today. You're already so near. Um, 
And so, Lord, I just pray that as we come into your presence again now, Lord, that there be no condemnation from the enemy that would keep us from hearing from you, from encountering you. There would be no lie, no stronghold deep within us that's blocking our access to you, Lord. That by your spirit, you've given us everything that we need to meet with you today. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to hit all of chapter three today in Ephesians. We're going to kind of split it into three parts. So let's read this first part in Ephesians chapter three, verse one. It starts out, for this reason, so more on that in a second, but for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. So before we move on, let's just get clear again, because you see Paul here is referencing a lot of what he's already written about, what we've been preaching these past few weeks, and he's kind of summarizing what that mystery is. But I want to recap a little bit of chapter one and chapter two, just so not only our minds can understand where Paul's going in the next part and the rest of Ephesians, but also so that our hearts would be stirred again by this mystery of God's plan revealed, by the promise in Jesus and the riches in him. So chapter one, we see um, that we've been blessed with every blessing in the spiritual realms, that God's rich storehouse of heavenly blessings and power and glory and honor, he has lavished those on us in Jesus, right? And it has started in the forgiveness that we needed from our sins. It started in the redemption that we have by Jesus' blood, but more than just kind of fixing us, making us right, before him, now we're blameless and we're loved and we're precious in God's eyes. And we have grace. We have a holy inheritance in heaven, right? We've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, God himself in us, right? We now have everything of God poured out in us and for us, not only waiting for us in heaven, but in union with him now. And he goes on to say even more that God's plan, the mystery revealed is that he wanted to bring heaven and earth back into unity in Jesus. That Jesus is the focal point of God's plan. Jesus is the fulfillment of God's grand mysterious plan that before, actually it says in the Bible that Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the earth. That this was always God's plan that he would atone for our sin. That a, a, a righteous and holy God would execute judgment on himself but on himself as a perfect one who fulfilled the law so that we, in our sin, we could be made right before him through the sacrifice of Jesus and that heaven and earth would be reunited. It goes back to God's design in the Garden of Eden, that when God created the world, he created the world that he might dwell face to face in full union with humanity. And that as Adam and Eve turned away from God, that's a separation that has been brought into us in our sinful nature, in the brokenness of the world, that Jesus is trying to bridge that gap. Jesus is the bridge between heaven and earth, between God and humanity. And we go on in chapter two of Ephesians to see that it's not only about our salvation, right? That in our spiritual death, as it says, we were, we were dead in our transgressions and sins, but God made us alive together with Christ. 
So not only have we been made one with God now out of his great love, that that has big implications for humanity as a whole, that the gospel is actually what destroys the dividing lines that human draw between themselves. First and foremost, between Jews and Gentiles. So Jews being God's chosen nation, that all the world would be blessed through the Jews because through their lineage from Abraham, the Messiah would come. God himself incarnate would come and that there was a dividing line between them as the religious chosen by God, the perfect nation, and the Gentiles, which if you don't know what a Gentile is, a Gentile is any non-Jewish person. A Gentile is all the nations of the earth. Probably most of us are Gentiles if you're not Jewish by race or by birth. Um, that's everybody else, which belong many belief systems and many religions, right? The pagan religions of the earth, that anything not Jewish, that there was a dividing line there between them and that Jesus came to reveal that God's not just God of the Jews, that God's God of the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life, that God didn't want to just bring back um, the nation of Israel into redemption, but each and all of us can be brought back into union with God, but that in that, God is creating a new humanity, or as Donnie put it, a new society in the way of Jesus. There is now one new humanity because collectively we are all in Christ. Collectively as one body, anybody in Christ is now brought together as one. And that, as we're going to see here in a minute, that it's the togetherness, the unity that any and every human on earth can now come together and that the grace of God levels the playing field for anything we would want to draw division between ourselves, that the grace of God levels the playing field, that that unity would actually be a testament to who God is. And so it's for this reason, because you have been made one with God, you have been saved by his grace, you've been brought to life, and that we have now become the people of God, so much so that his presence, his Holy Spirit now dwells amongst us, right? His original design in Eden, right? All the way to where we're going in Revelation at the end of the Bible, God dwelling in the midst of his people, that right now we're living in the beginning of that fulfillment, right? That we've been made one with each other. For this reason, Paul now we see what are the implications on his life. So Paul, if we'll pick it up in verse 7, he says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him... And through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. So Paul, remember context here, Paul is an Israelite. In Ephesians, or sorry, in Philippians 3, he says he's a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee lacking nothing in terms of zeal, fulfilling the law, that by human standards, Paul was the man among men, that by human standards of what makes someone great, religiously, Paul was great, but he himself now 
is going to the Gentiles. The Pharisee who once hated the Gentiles is now going to the Gentiles to reveal this grace of God. And he who actually once persecuted the way of Jesus, who killed Christians, who are following the way of Jesus, now he has encountered this grace in God so much so that he is giving his life away for God and for other people. That now he is a servant of him and a servant of them. And that um, he would be so moved by this grace that he sees not only his individual calling to preach the boundless riches of Jesus, but now he is trying to help form one humanity, one church, right? That God's purpose that there be one church that would reveal himself to the world. So Paul has an individual calling to go and preach the gospel, but also it's not just through individuals, but you see here in verse 10, he says that God's intent, not just his own personal calling that he starts to be a part of, but God's intent that he wants to accomplish is that through the church collectively, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And what that means is in the heavenly realms, rulers and authorities, that's referenced almost in every chapter of Ephesians. And that's talking about angels. That's talking about demons. That's talking about Satan himself, that every spiritual being that exists in the spiritual realm um, that is eternal, that not only is the church witnessing to the Gentiles and to people, that the church is a living example of the great wisdom and glory of God to the cosmic beings in the universe of who God is as a savior, as a redeemer, right? Actually, in First Timothy, Paul fleshes this out, and he says, it's God, our Savior. His desire is that no one would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of him, that nobody would perish, but that all would be saved. And so Paul, who once persecuted the way of Jesus, has now encountered this grace, encountered the riches in Christ, and he is wanting to stir up the church to carry out God's heart for the world, And he's telling us here that God's intent is that the church would be his plan A. That as Jesus is the fulfillment of that plan, it is now the church that is God's plan to reveal his heart, to reveal the love of Jesus, to reveal who God is to a lost and dying and broken world. And I'm here to tell you that each of us have that calling on our lives. That every single one of us, it can't just be the missionaries like Paul or like Kara sent out to the nations for the church as a whole to be a living witness, right? As, as, well, I mean, look at our description of the Bible. For the church to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, a city set on a hill, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be ambassadors for Christ as though God is literally making his appeal through us. That's what the Bible says, that God is making his appeal through us to the world, that they would be brought to reconciliation between them. Um, This is our job description, and it it takes all of us living that out. It takes each and every one of us living out the calling to preach the boundless riches of Christ. And this is the type of church that saved me. I want to show you that we each have an individual calling to fulfill this, but when we do this in community, that actually there's so much more power in our testimony. There's so much more power in our witness when we do this together as the church. And that's a bit of my story is that I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't grow up following Jesus. I grew up in Fort Worth in the Bible Belt, yet still even growing up there with churches around every corner, I never heard my parents talk about Jesus or God. I rarely ever heard anything about the Bible other than a few stories that seemed about on par with the fairy tale, you know, that Noah's Ark was about as real as anything else that I would read in any other fake nonfiction or fiction book. 
And it was through the church as a 17-year-old in the place that I was so broken and desperate with that hope where I was searching for meaning and purpose in life and everything I saw in my family and my friends in the world left me about as empty as could be that there was something that I was hungering for. There was a life that I was looking for and I wasn't looking for God. I was not looking for Jesus. I was not looking for faith or religion. I really had no concept. It was never a thought. And I remember sitting in my bedroom thinking about life after death and thinking about the purpose of my life on earth, feeling so empty. And the thing that drew me to Jesus was the church. It was his people. It was my Christian friends who all went to this one church. They're all part of this one youth group. Their parents were all really involved in the church and in the school. It was through them befriending me, coming to me, being so moved by the Jesus that they had encountered, coming to reach me, a person that was very difficult to be around, very broken, very rough around the edges. They came and they gave themselves over to me. They became prisoners of Christ to serve me, prisoners of Jesus to suffer for my sake. They did costly things for me to know Jesus. And there was something that I saw in them that was so attractive. I knew that my life was broken and empty and dark. And in these Christians, there was something that they had that I needed. There was something that they had that I saw that I wanted that. They have some type of life, some type of answer and it was through being brought into friendship with them, being in their homes, hanging out, doing stupid stuff, but their parents were loving on me as I was often very disrespectful and disinterested in them. They're, like I had spiritual parents that were loving on me, being fathers and mothers in the faith before I even knew Jesus. That eventually I decided, okay, I'll go check out this church thing. You know, and I started asking questions and started reading the Bible for the first time. And God was revealing himself to me through, first and foremost, his people, and that's what we are called to be and called to do, that you are the living representation of what Jesus is like, right? That's what we were singing about earlier. Um, part of this mystery that Paul says in Colossians 1, he's talking about the mystery of God's plan, is that now in us is Christ the hope of glory. That literally, even when you feel about as weak and about as incapable of sharing Jesus with people, when you feel like your own life is, is, is pointing to condemnation, that you're nothing like Jesus, that inside of you, whether you feel it or not, is the hope of glory. And that in 2 Corinthians, it says that we are like jars of clay, which are weak, very fragile, easily broken, but that God has shined his, has shined his light in us, that we would see the knowledge in the face of the glory of God in Jesus, and that it's the Jesus in us that we are preaching. We're not preaching ourselves, our own effort, our own religious performance, what makes us great. We are preaching Jesus, this treasure, this boundless riches, this treasure of Jesus is inside of you. And you may not always feel it, but the world needs you. The world needs every single one of us carrying this treasure, this Jesus inside of us, loving those around us, serving them, giving our lives away for them. And that, you know, you may not feel like doing that sometimes. You may not feel equipped. You may not feel very powerful. You may face opposition, but it's that Jesus in you is the power. Remember, I got saved by some 17-year-old Christians. So remember what you were like as a 17-year-old, right? Remember what you were like in your teenage years. And you can feel a little bit embarrassed as you think about things. But there was something in them that was greater than them that was drawing me to them. 
right? It's not about how you feel or how great you are. It was just simple love, simple effort to reach out to me. And I wasn't just seeing them. God, through the Holy Spirit, was opening my eyes to see something much greater. As I looked in the faces of my friends, he was opening my spiritual eyes to see Jesus when I wasn't really asking for it, right? I was in a place of brokenness and I was desperate for something. I didn't even know what it was, but in the face of my friends, I was seeing this treasure. I was seeing this light shine from them, the face of Jesus in them. And I want to encourage you that every single one of you, if you are in Christ, that's what's inside of you. That's what you, every day when you're walking around and encountering people in your workplace, in your neighborhood, what is inside of you is the hope of glory. That's the brilliance of this mystery that we've been made one with God and we've been made one with one another so that inside of us is the light of the world. And when we follow Jesus, we're not walking in darkness. We actually walk into darkness and we make it light by our very presence because the spirit of God is inside of us. And that's what you're called to do. And I want to move on into Ephesians 3.14 because that could feel like a big weight. And there's so many times in my life where I felt the weight of evangelism, of sharing the gospel, of loving other people. And it's felt like I didn't have the desire, my heart was numb at times, or maybe I just wasn't sure what to do, I didn't feel qualified, I felt intimidated in certain spheres that I was in, right? And so if you wanna grow into a more consistent lifestyle of that, there have been some consistent seasons in my life where I have shared my faith, where I've seen people come to know Jesus, and there's a key behind that that I wanna point out in the rest of chapter three of Ephesians, in this prayer of Paul, there's a key behind that, and it's that fullness of God in us. And it's tapping into that fullness. So let's keep on going in chapter 3, verse 14. This is a prayer of Paul. And you see here that as Paul is laboring for this church, he is laboring for these new converts, and he's laboring for the lost to know Jesus, that he can't just give effort in preaching and teaching and sharing with his words and serving in his suffering that he has to partner his best efforts with earnest prayer. And it's an earnest prayer that I want to lead us into today. So this prayer that Paul prays in chapter 3, verse 14, he says, For this reason, because we've been made one with God, one with one another, we've been richly blessed in Jesus, given all the life of God in us. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And this is what he prays. I pray that out of his, out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So we see in this prayer that it's not just by our own effort, by what we bring to the table in relationships that we're going to save people. It's actually the divine power of God inside of us. 
And it's an interesting prayer because he says the word power three times. And he's talking about us being strengthened. But then what you see he's wanting us to get is he's wanting us to get the love of Jesus. He's wanting us to actually have the ability to grasp this love that surpasses knowledge. That we're supposed to know this love that surpasses knowledge. And it actually takes God strengthening us and empowering us. It takes God moving in us for us to actually have this love sink deep. And I'll tell you what, that happens in a lot of different ways in your life. For me, when I came to know Jesus, when I came to give him my life as a 17-year-old, I was honestly more driven by purpose, having a purpose for my life, having a meaning, having something that I could contribute, having a mission, an aim in life, that my life wasn't worthless, it wasn't a waste of time, that there was actually something worth living for, right? Uh, you know, as a teenage boy, you dream of the future. And my, my best dreams for like, what's the most meaningful thing I could do in my life was selfishly, if I could play pro sports, that would be freaking sick. That'd be awesome. Or I just go be a Marine and I go fight in the war or something. And like, that's the best that I could come up with. It's like, what's the coolest, most meaningful thing in your life? Um, you play pro sports or you go fight in a war and there's glory in those things, right? That's the best that man could come up with. But no, what I encountered actually was a love that I didn't know I need. That the purpose that I was longing for had a lot more to do, not with advancing God's kingdom by force and by power and doing great things for him. It was actually receiving his love. It was letting that love get deep inside of me. It was actually giving that love away to other people. And that now my greatest calling is to be a spiritual father when I had no spiritual father growing up. And my biggest wound in my life was from my parents and yet now, especially as a college pastor, God has made me to be a spiritual father, that my greatest weapon of warfare is the love of Jesus and loving other people with that, right? And so, but as I came to know Jesus, it wasn't necessarily the love that I was drawn to. I had a lot of brokenness in relationships, and so there was something there that I was experiencing in the church that I, I didn't even know I needed. And I didn't know that was the thing that I was really cherishing the most was those relationships, Actually, it was being brought into the church. It wasn't just that my friends were coming and sharing Jesus with me in school, though that's where many of us are called to start. With those that don't know Jesus, we're called to enter into their spheres and to love them. But the real power was that it was multiple of them coming up to me in my classes in school. Well, some of them joined the soccer team just to reach me their senior year, knowing they were never going to get a minute in a single game because uh, they'd never played soccer before, but they joined the soccer team to reach me, honestly. And they had been praying for me and laboring for me. And it was getting in their homes where their parents were acutely aware of the depravity of my situation. And their parents were loving on me. And it was the first time I had adults asking me questions about my life, asking me how I was doing, showing genuine interest in my life. And it was those relationships that led me to then go to the church and get to meet other people in the church, some of the pastors that began to love on me. It was being knit together into the family of God that then I encountered being made one with my Father in heaven. It was through them. So over time, I still didn't necessarily recognize this love that I needed. Um, but one of the ways, there are many ways that we grow in the love of God. But one of the ways that I would do that was in pray, in prayer, and specifically praying the word. I remember reading Romans 5.8. Some of you probably heard me share this before, but Romans 5.8 says, for God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I had a hard time connecting with the love of God. 
I kind of coming into faith, I was like, okay, God loves the whole world, but I'm just kind of like, you know, a face in the crowd, lost in the masses. So he kind of loves the world, but I'm a little bit more drawn to, okay, what are we going to do now, right? We're sharing the gospel. We're doing something, right? We're taking over the world with Jesus, right? But I had a hard time connecting with the Father in relationship with him. I was learning how to be made one with others, but the thing that drew me to them was their own relationship with God. It was a genuine love of Jesus in them. And so for me, I remember reading that and being like, the Bible is true, so I don't need any other proof of God's love. I don't have to feel it necessarily. I don't have to connect with that in certain worship songs, though I do now. I can just believe the word when the Bible says he's shown us his love on the cross. That's what Romans 5.8 says. Therefore, I have all the proof that I need that God loves me and that he sent his son to die for me. So I just prayed. And over years of praying Romans 5.8 that was one, not the only, but one key thing that I feel like helped me come into the relationship with God and understanding the love of God and actually having enough worth in myself to be willing to receive it um, was just praying the word. And so what I want to challenge us here is we have this prayer in Ephesians 3, this divine prayer about the love of Jesus sinking so deep in us, in the church, that that's the thing we're also praying that the world would get. It would get power through us giving away the love of Jesus and that what we pray for is tapping into the greatest thing we want to see God move in. That, as Kara said, she got a burden for people through prayer. Actually, it wasn't on the mission trip that she went when she went to explore that nation and to serve there. It was through praying for the people that eventually God gave her a heart for prayer. And in my life, the seasons when I've been most consistent in sharing the love of Jesus with people has been the times where I have been most abiding in my relationship with God, in union with him, abiding in love of the saints. And I have been burdened to pray for God to move, burdened to pray for people. And that there's power in that. Um, one story of that that I want to close with was when I was in college. I've been a Christian for maybe a year or two. Um, I was in college, and I kind of got fired from one job for being a college student irresponsible. Um, so I got fired from one job. So I needed another job. So my roommate worked at Smoothie King, and he was quitting. Um, and so he got me the job at Smoothie King. So I worked at Smoothie King when I was in college at, in uh, Sam Houston down in Huntsville. Smoothie King's still there, by the way. You can go tread that hollowed ground, that hollow ground, uh, if you ever want to go get a smoothie in Huntsville. Um, and so I worked at Smoothie King for, I think, like one semester. But in that semester, there was something God was doing in me that I became really burdened for waiting on God. And then my devotional life, a lot of it looked like just being still before him, communing with him in prayer. And before I ever got to intercession praying for others, I was abiding and I was waiting. I read this book called Waiting on God by Andrew Murray. In that season, it was an amazing book. Sometimes you read a book later and you're like, I don't know, that was, I guess it was okay. But in that season, the Holy Spirit was speaking to me through that book. You go read it. It may be awesome for you today, but I needed something there. And so I was growing and abiding and waiting on God and communing with him. And then every day as I went into work, I would pray. I would worship in my car. And this is like not extensive. This is like a five minute drive at most from my apartment to Smoothie King. Huntsville's not a big place. Um, so every day in the five minute car ride, I would worship and I would just pray. I would just invite the Holy Spirit, um, who I had just recently encountered for the first time in a, in a dramatic encounter with him where I'd gotten filled with the Spirit. Um, and out of that encounter with God, 
Um, I received the gift of tongues, which I didn't want. I wanted everything I read about in the Bible from the baptism and the gifts of the Holy Spirit besides tongues, but that's what happened. I thought it was weird, but that's one thing that happened. I got marked with a new level of joy in my life. And the fruit that I started to see after that was a boldness in evangelism and people coming to know Jesus. Uh, and that as I would pray, God would change my heart. And I started to get revelatory prayers for people, talking about words of wisdom or prophecy. If you've heard those words and you know what they mean, great. If not, it doesn't matter. God was giving me things to pray for people that I didn't know to pray for before, that he had given me ears to hear and to wait. And I began to be led by the Holy Spirit and what, what the Spirit wanted to pray for people, not just what I could come up with, which I know is what Paul's doing here, is that this is a prayer that Paul authored with his hands but it didn't come from his mind or his heart. This is a prayer from God that we can take and use because we know God wants to answer it. But I began to pray for people. So while I was working, I would continue in that abiding. I would continue in my greatest weapon in my outreach was actually just staying connected with the Father. I have a horrible singing voice has been pointed out to me primarily by my wife, by a few other people. But I would sing and I would worship out loud working at Smoothie King. And if they didn't want me singing, I would whistle. But I just had the joy in me, and I had to just sing. I had to stay connected. I had to worship God. And I would pray throughout my shift. I would just pray, and I would just abide in God. I'd pray for other people. I'd pray about what was going on with me. And that from that place of abiding him, it was the most natural response that I was wanting to share Jesus. I was asking intentional questions about their lives, getting to know my coworkers in intentional ways, giving them the love and the value that I received by my Christian friends who reached out to me. And through asking questions, through praying for them, I would just be natural to be able to talk about Jesus, right? To open doors, to share the gospel. And I became so bold in sharing Jesus point blank. While we're working, making smoothies, taking orders from sometimes rude people, I would just stay connected to God. And that place became my mission field. It was a job. I just needed money to buy an engagement ring. But that, became, that place became a mission field for me to usher in the divine power inside of me to give it away to other people. And there was this girl named Maddie that I began to talk to. And Maddie didn't grow up in the faith. Her mom was like halfway Catholic is kind of how she explained it and kind of like prayed to God and maybe went to mass occasionally. So she had some concept of God. But as I began to share with her, there was a hunger in her that began to be stirred up. And it was just the right person. It was just the person who is hungry. Not everybody I shared with was hungry, but in this season of her life, she was hungry. She was open for God. And I just was faithful and willing to step up to the plate and be available. And so after months of talking and sharing with her, sharing the gospel, she gives her life to Jesus. One night, we're closing up Smoothie King. We're locking up the door, standing outside, and we're so embedded in this conversation about Jesus that as, after we're standing outside the store, after locking up, on that, on that spot, she gives her life to Jesus. She encounters him. And, and what's important I want to point out to you is that as she begins to pray the prayer of salvation, she has given her life to Jesus the very next thing she starts to do is she starts to pray for her boyfriend who doesn't know Jesus. She immediately goes from encountering this love to wanting to give it away and wanting to be burdened for others to experience that. And I believe that it's because that's what she experienced in me, which I got from somebody else. And it's not what is great about us. You may not feel like a natural evangelist in your personality type, but it's the hope of glory that's inside of you. It's the power of this treasure of Jesus inside of you that if we're willing, other people will get that more than they get you in your own human personality. And that's what we wanna give away. And so she got that. But the key thing here that as I look back on that season where the church comes in, where we're better together, 
is that there was a few other Christian girls that I worked with, and I was trying to encourage them about what was going on with Maddie and that there was openness there, so let's be intentional. I was leading a small group for college guys, so these girls were leading small groups. They were small group leaders, and they had girl small groups, and I was like trying to encourage them to invite Maddie into the church. It can't just be these conversations at Smoothie King. She needs to be brought into the family of God. And unfortunately, I don't think she ever got that invite. I don't know what happened with Maddie. I, I, I hope and pray and believe there was genuine encounter that she's still walking with Jesus. But I know the thing for me that has kept me walking with Jesus is that there's the family of God and the experience of God and my dry seasons and my hard times being plugged into the family of God where I still get to experience him through other people, where I still stay rooted in relationships that are pursuing Jesus. That is what's kept me going for so many years. And I just wonder for Maddie, how different would that story had been? Maybe if she had gotten that invite into the family of God, if those other girls were living up what they were called to do, not that I was better than them, but it was just the fullness of God in me that I couldn't help but give it away. And I don't always feel like that. There are seasons in my life, even in my adulthood now, where I, I don't feel like I'm walking in that fullness. But what I want to encourage you in today is that it doesn't have to come from our own striving and effort. I want to encourage you, if there's one practical, is just to pray this Ephesians 3 prayer every day. Pray it for yourself, that you would get so full of the love of God, that you would be growing in your knowledge of this love that surpasses understanding, this love of Jesus, you would get so rooted and grounded in it. And that our church, you could pray this for our church, that we would be so full of God's presence, that there would be an overflow from our lives, that this is what the lost world is getting, that these boundless riches of Jesus are what's coming out of us. And the more that we are abiding and walking in him, the more it's going to be natural to give it away. Not that it doesn't require effort, not that it doesn't require steps of faith and risk, and not that there's not times where you feel really low, that you still have the power of the gospel in your words because of the Holy Spirit in you, but that the more that we press into union with God and communion with one another, the more we are going to live as witnesses of Jesus. So just want to encourage you to be praying this prayer, to be praying the words that God wants to answer, that he wrote himself, and have faith that there is divine power that you need, that we need, that the world needs, that he is generous to give it. So let's just enter in a time of prayer. Worship team, if you'll come up. We're just going to close our service in prayer. And we're just going to be praying. I just encourage you just to get out that Ephesians 3 scripture. And just to, let's just pray and let's just ask God to give us his fullness. And let's just enter in before him. I encourage you to pray that prayer for yourself, to pray it for your life group. Or if there are people that are coming to mind now that you know haven't encountered the glory of Jesus, encountered his love, encountered the grace of God poured out for them, just to take some time right now to pray for those people using that Ephesians 3 prayer, and that if you will commit yourself to praying the word, trusting in God, that that's going to be the biggest power behind when you go share, when you love somebody, when you take a step to initiate and to serve somebody, that the biggest power is going to come from your prayer life and not just from what you feel equipped to do in and of yourself. So um, let's all stand. And prayer and prophetic team, if you'll go ahead and come forward, just want to encourage you, if you just want more of God, if you want to get filled with that fullness of God to overflow, and you want prayer, please come forward. Our prayer and prophetic team is going to be here to pray for you. I want to encourage you to do that um, or to pray with the people next to you. But let's just make some space just to encounter the Lord and just to pray that scripture and to worship 
And to, and to throw off the, the striving mentality that wants to condemn us right now for our lack of effort, there's a grace right now for any time you've messed up, you feel like you dropped the ball in an opportunity, there is a grace to keep going, to try again, and to stay rooted in God, and the power is in God. So um, I'm just going to pray for us, and then if you're a parent, if we could have one parent go and grab their kids, and then just bring it back in here, because the presence is in here, so don't let your kids miss it. But if one parent could go grab their kids from kids' ministry if they're in there, we're just going to make space right now to meet with the Lord. So Jesus, we just invite you in, and we just say thank you for your love and your power and your grace. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us now? Would you give us power to grasp this love that surpasses knowledge? How wide and high and deep and long the love of Christ is for us, that we would be so full of this love that we couldn't help but carry this love to other people. We'd be so full of God that God himself would overflow, that the thing we're giving away is God himself. So Lord, would you fill us to overflow with your love and your power, that the lost might come to know Jesus through us. Would you give us your love, Jesus? Would you fill us with your fullness? Come, Lord. Amen.